Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. I'm Natalie Fan. I'm the founder of On Vinyl Media. We're a commercial licensing company for local musicians out of Austin, Texas. Well, we have a streaming platform um, that was sort of built sort of like a radio station in that they have um, categories or, you know, if you want to think of it as drawers within a kitchen where you can put music and categorize your music that way. Um, and our Technology pretty much spits out every like every song uh, one after another, just following the pattern of categories that we put them in. So that's essentially it's a streaming platform that is based off of radio technology that's been sort of just smoothed smoothed out for what we're trying to do with it. And um, how did you even learn how to do that? It seems very overwhelming. Are you a programmer yourself? I am. No, I'm not a programmer myself. We have a team that does that. But um, I got into this through college radio. So I, I was a co-founder for a radio station back in college um, that I started and just became my baby. And then after I graduated, they told me I couldn't take it with me. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'll just start this this company, I guess, and made it my full-time job. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, the, the hardest part was just learning about legalities and licensing law. And that was the most difficult part. Of course, we have legal counsel that helps us too. But for the most part, the most difficult thing about it is just copyright law. Do you know the movie Pump Up the Volume? No, I'm oh. not very good with movies. Uh, it's, uh, it's just about an indie radio show. So it reminded me of your story, like going and, you know, really being passionate about having an indie radio show and wanting to make that. Like, yeah. Long jump, yeah. Yeah. Long term. And walk us through where the company is today and how you started creating it. I mean, it just seems, I mean, Pandora, Spotify, these are huge companies <laughs> that deal with licensing issues and bandwidth and everything else. Um, how do you go about this as a startup? 
you know, there's not a really good starting point. And if you wait too long to kind of flesh out an idea, I feel like the passion behind it gets lost. And so with me, I kind of like to jump in and test it right away. Um, and for me, the testing phase of it was sort of half completed with what I had done with the radio station. I took that experience and I just put it into, um, you know, this new company and this new, you know, organization, everything that I've known about, like putting together teams that can work really well together right. in order to get things done. Um, the hardest part for me was trying to get someone help me with the technology piece of it. And right. that's sort of, I mean, from a third party perspective, you could probably tell if I talked to you long enough um, that, you know, I've failed multiple times in trying to get this up and running. It was the most difficult part of this whole piece. And it was such a huge part because it is the product. Yeah. Um, but it's just about finding the right people. And that, I'm just I'm just big on good people. You know, so I'm just big on good people um, who are passionate about things that are local. Hi, this is Tisha Richardson, product designer over at Olark, the world's simplest chat platform designed to help your customers grow their business. We're a remote-based company headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. A huge obstacle. I don't know if it's an obstacle, but maybe, you know, at certain companies being the only female and then at most companies being the only black female. And uh, how, do, how do I overcome it? Um, I think it's all about the company you're at and how that company makes you feel and uh, how inclusive, you know, I think it is. And really kind of more so looking at myself as being a part of something bigger and not looking at being an isolated individual. So I think my own perspective is uh, has changed. What about the company culture at Olark really attracted you? Um, it was honest. It's very employee-focused, um, which was something I was looking into, like, there's a genuine we care about the people who work here and it's evident from the top down. So like I, I could just ring up my CEO and say, hey, Ben, um, you know, I'm thinking this. I'm feeling this today. And there's a genuine connection. And I know like he's there. He's going to listen. And oh, that's, that's really nice. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. And but that transcends throughout our company. How many people work for the company now? Um, it's like 50, 50 plus. Yeah. And they're all around the world. Yeah, we've got Scotland, Sweden, all over the United States. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, now, Olark, and, you know, correct me for the pieces that I don't know, is primarily live chat. Yes. And you probably, do you do more than that now? No, we, we focus on providing a live chat service. Because um, I used to have a podcast called Hello Customer, so I'm really passionate about customer experience, as you even know about me. Yes, that's what I love about you. <laughs> and so... Uh, how does Olark help, um, you know, really deliver customer experience to to people as a product? Um, can you say more a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't think I even asked that very well, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, like utilizing live chat, why is that so important in um, in delivering customer service as a company to your consumer? Or how are all the ways that people utilize Olark to be more efficient and um, connective companies themselves? Well, I think, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of competitors in that space. But I think our main focus is connecting people to their customers. Yeah. And that idea of how can we add that personal touch to right. it? You know, how can we not make it so robotic, so disconnect, so technical right. in a technical space. And that's what I do like about us. We're mm -hmm. always trying to push that. How 
how can we make it more human? Right. You know, how can we empower people to connect to the customer on a different level? Yeah. Yeah. For for everyone listening that wants to go down the same path that you're on right now, what, I mean, you started in a very kind of roundabout way in art uh, with like art school, right? Yeah. And um, and then found your way piece by piece. But how would they go about it in a more linear linear way? Um, where do they get started? Um, I would say first, really identify if you love it. I think anyone in the tech community, you you got to love it, you know, and find out what you love yeah. so that you can focus your intent mm-hmm. on like, okay, this this is what I'm really passionate about. And then I would say, you know, start with tutorials. Start yeah. start with the free. Yeah. You know, really kind of like jump in and the community. Yeah. You know, I think most tech individuals, we want to share. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about tech all day, yeah. you know, and give you those resources. So I would say jump in the community and really find out where your passion lies because it's such a big industry and you don't want to get overwhelmed. This is Morgan Pierce, and I am Chief Marketing Officer for Seba Crypto AG. And Seba is redefining finance for the new economy from Zug, Switzerland. What happened was about a year uh, and a half ago, I decided I was going to leave the sort of normal tech space where I was um, head of demand generation and um, other pieces of marketing at a Silicon Valley based software company. And to dive into the new world of crypto, I had actually already been involved um, with crypto since 2014 when I got my first crypto wallet. And I had already been eyeing crypto for a really long time at that point because I played a game back in the mid 2000s called Second Life. And in Second Life, I remember Second Life, (laughs) Lincoln Dollars with fiat currency with real money, and you could spend your Lincoln Dollars. In Second Life. And I remember in 2006, I think it was, I read an article in, I think it was Wired Magazine or one of the, one of those um, fast company or one of those tech kind of oriented business magazines. And it was about how a guy, a Second Life player had actually made a million dollars in US dollars out of selling luxury property to Second Lifers. In Lincoln. Oh, yes. Virtual currency. Exactly. And so since that point, I was always eyeing. I was like, okay, if it's, if it's, if like you can make a million dollars virtually, then, then, then money, then digital money is on its way. And sure enough, three years later was when Satoshi Nakamoto published, actually, two years later was when Satoshi Nakamoto published the white paper on Bitcoin. And then I was watching it and I decided I would get in in about 2014. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't become a miner when it was, when it was like sort of like early days. But anyway, um, I still feel really fortunate. And so about a year and a half ago, I decided I was going to reskill myself in crypto. And I went back to school. I got a certificate in digital currencies from the University of Nicosia in Cyprus, which everybody thinks is like, why would you do that? But the reason I did it is because there is a guy there who teaches the course called Andreas Antonopoulos. It was a MOOC. So massively open online course, free of charge to, you know, as many thousands of people wanted to finish it. And um, Andreas Antonopoulos is like one of the 
foremost guys in the whole cryptocurrency world on Bitcoin specifically. He's written several books and he's an amazing wow. lecturer. And it was the first place that actually offered any kind of formal education on crypto. So I did that. Um, and then I and then I started giving talks about crypto. I gave a talk in Los Angeles and I gave talks all over Ireland and I gave some talks in the UK and Europe, Amsterdam, different places. And um, and then I sort of became known for being like the crypto education person. And I was actually in the process of formulating an online course in what is crypto and why is, you know, why is the world kind of heading in that direction? Um, and that's how. That's how the guys at Seba found me. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.